So I'm thinking, I sure hope the police hurry up and get here to arrest us before this crowd, you know, gets us. On March 27, 1961, nine students from Tougaloo College in Jackson, Mississippi, risked violence, incarceration, and their lives when they staged a read-in at a whites-only public library. All nine were arrested. I'm podcast producer Natalie Boyd. We're taking you back to this day through the lived experience of one of the students who fought for integration. Ethel Sawyer Adolph was just 20 years old when she and her fellow protesters became known as the Tougaloo Nine. Here she is at 81 describing what she remembers about that historic day. This is the 7 Days of 1961 podcast. Hear history from the people who made it. The movement around us hadn't started, and and uh, I read somewhere that <laughs> the library would be a safer place for the sitting than, say, a lunch counter. Uh, so wherever that it was decided that we would go, uh, I would have gone, because I... You know, I think I was just committed. I think it was something I felt I should do. We physically went to the Black Library first. I remember that. And then I remember walking down the sidewalk beside the Black Library. And I remember we were on our way to the White Library. I don't remember being in any turmoil about it. I don't remember being afraid sort of cautious, but I don't remember really being afraid. I don't remember that at all. Challenging segregation was incredibly dangerous anywhere, but particularly in Mississippi. Ethel and her fellow students were taking a stand where the Ku Klux Klan reigned and lynchings were the highest in the country. the library. We go up the steps. Um, I remember a couple of people going to the desk to ask for a, their book, the book they were supposed to ask for. And it was clear to me that the ladies at the desk were having problems, given the two, 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 nine people who were at the desk, the book. Okay. So I just decided to get a book off the shelf. They were long tables where a number of people could sit. So I got the book off the shelf and I sat down. I don't know how long we were there, but it was a short time, I'm sure. But I'm spending the time pretending to read and just glancing around at my fellow colleagues. We didn't sit together. We sat apart. There were big windows on this library, and I'm sitting facing these windows, and I see this crowd gathering outside.
threatening crowd and people shaking their fists and you could see them talking and yelling. You know, you can't hear what they're saying, but so I'm thinking, I sure hope the police hurry up and get here to arrest us before this crowd, you know, gets us. So the police come and told us we had to leave. And uh, we didn't, and we just kept silent. Uh, we didn't say anything. We just stayed where we were. They didn't touch me, and I don't recall anybody saying they touched them. And, uh, and then they said, you're under arrest. And we got up and left with the police. The students were charged with breach of the peace. When we left the library under arrest, we came around the corner, that's where the people gathered. And they were yelling and booing and all kind, I don't know what all they were saying. I don't remember all that they were saying, but it were, they were not nice things. And that's when I just threw my head in the air. And that's what was caught on the photos. Uh, and, it, it, and in my mind, I, I was I was snubbing them. I was saying, heck with you. I threw my head in the air because of what they were doing. And they took us to jail. I was taken from my cell and, and interrogated. Uh, very small, tiny little room with two, and I've described them as seemingly very tall men. They might not have been, you know. <laughs> but I remember one, one of them, as he was interrogating me, he had his foot on the chair where I sat. They were asking questions. Um, basically what they were trying to do was to get me to say Megger ever was behind this. And I asked them, you know, why you think we students didn't do this ourselves, didn't play in this. And one of them said, because you're not smart enough. <laughs> uh, that just hit me the wrong way. And so I said, okay, I'm tired of your two-cent psychology, and I want my lawyer. And they let me go. They took me back to my cell. Our cell was a big cell. We had the four cots or whatever you call them to sleep on. And then there was a big old, a pretty large space where we could just sit. Because they locked us out of our beds during the day. And I remember us uh, expressing a little bit of concern about how the, the women in the other sales, how they were going to treat us. And there were no problems at all. As a matter of fact, they entertained us late into the night with their stories, whatever their different stories, you know. And I, and I, I think I remember even leaving our sale and going on over into the area where they were, you know. We spent 
something hours, 35, 36 hours in jail. Yes, ma'am. But there was, there was no mis- mistreatment of us. We were driven back from the jail to the campus in highway patrol cars. They were driving down the highway and driving pretty fast. And I remember thinking, oh, so this is how we're going to die. Now I believe that we were taken back in those police cars to save our asses. Because I believe that had we not been, that uh, any car with us on the road back, we probably would not be alive now. Riding with the police may have been their best protection against segregationists. At this time, many activists were killed or went missing while traveling through Mississippi. I think we took them by surprise. And that's what saved us, you know. Because uh, the next day, we go to court for the trial. We're walking up the steps to the courthouse. At that time, it seems to me the steps to the courthouse are kind of tall. And... Here these cops with their German Shepherd dogs and one comes towards me as I'm climbing the step and another one said she's one of the defendants. Maybe I should have been a heck of a lot more scared and the people who were not able to get into the courthouse because it was crowded began applauding us as we climb the step. And then that's when they sick the dogs. They start beating the people just because they applauded us. And they started beating them and sick the dogs on them. And I understand from reading that Megar Evans was in that group that they beat. And then I learned that Jackson State the students demonstrating on our behalf or on behalf of of the issue, and uh, I understand there were three people who were expelled from Jackson State for uh, for their role in support of the city. I remember my some of my family's reaction. My oldest sister was living in Chicago at the time. She said, I called your mom and I said, your daughter's in jail. <laughs> and she said, your mama said, Ethel knows what she's doing. When she told me that, my mouth fell open and then I just smiled. And I was all right. It's something I feel I should do. Maybe that's why I was never really that bothered because it didn't gain any, you know, a lot of acknowledgement or whatever have you. I, I didn't do it for anybody to acknowledge it. I did it because that's why I feel I should do it.
the read-in set the stage for many young people to protest in Mississippi, galvanizing a community around the fight for civil rights. Today, a marker honoring the Tougaloo Nine stands outside the abandoned library building. And in May of 2021, Tougaloo College awarded all nine activists honorary doctorate degrees. I remember saying this at Tougaloo one year. We have a long way to go. I said the then is interesting now. We have a long ways to go. And I'm not surprised about the state of the things now. I'm going to tell you as I watch the news and the coverage of uh, the previous president, I just thought, why don't they just cut the bullshit and deal with the fact that there's great resentment and there's great fear on the part of some white Americans about the extent to which people of color have been gaining ground in this society. I think we played uh, around with it and uh, with this explanation, that explanation, that and that and that. And now, you know, it's coming right down to what people are going to have to deal with what it really is. The Seven Days of 1961 podcast is produced and edited by me, Natalie Boyd. Deborah Barfield Berry reported this episode, and Jasper Colt produced the interview. You can see images of Ethel, videos of the protest, and read Deborah's full story about the Tougaloo Nine at 7daysof1961.usatoday.com. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast. We want more people to hear these firsthand stories of protest and change. Please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find the show, and you can tweet us at USA Today. On the next episode, Hank Thomas shares his memories of the Freedom Rides. In Alabama, a white mob set his bus on fire, forcing activists out and into the violent blows of white supremacists. The brutal, vicious confrontation could have ended the group's 14-day mission to desegregate public interstate accommodations. Instead, more Freedom Riders boarded buses and headed into hostile territory. That story next time. See you then. <laughs>